Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense or knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So I'm super excited today because I'm connecting with somebody who made a post on social media and I went, I like this one. I want to talk to her more. So thank you so much, Kim Hallen, for joining me today on the podcast. I'm excited oh, to see where we're going. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's going to be neat to see where we go. So would you mind sharing and with the world and telling us about yourself? Sure, I'd be happy to. That's such a, that's such a big question, right? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, my name is, is Kim Hallam, as you said, and I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. And the post that I posted about was related to horses and the horse industry. So um, obviously, I'm, I'm a horse person. About six years ago, I took a launch from a career that was unrelated to horses, uh, with higher education, administration, and fundraising, and decided to follow my dream of turning my passion for horses, not just, it's been a hobby all my life, but to turn it actually into a business. So I now operate a small equine experiential learning business um, off of my farm. Well, it started out as an equine experiential learning business. It's now actually morphing into experiential learning with a variety of animals. Um, I have horses, I have a potbelly pig, and my partner and I now have um, reptiles as well. So it's expanded even beyond oh, wow. just horses. Yeah. Cool. This is the first time I've had a pig person on the podcast. I do want to get <laughs> Esther the pig on my podcast, but you're the first one. You're breaking the ice. Yay. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, we might we might get to the story of him and how he showed up in my life. He, it's an awesome story. Oh, fun. So you've always been in horses since you were little, or when did you get into horses? Well, I've always loved horses, like so many of us that are horse people. I don't know where it started. As long as far back as I can remember, I've, I've loved horses. But I grew up in um, mostly in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is a suburban area. And my family didn't have horses, so it was mostly just a love of horses, reading about horses, seeing horses on TVs and in the movies. I did go to a horseback riding summer camp, a Girl Scout camp growing up. So that's where I first learned to ride and kind of got introduced to basics about horse care and the horse industry. And then um, kind of didn't have horses at all in my life for a while until I went to college in North Carolina. And I picked my college because it had an equestrian program mm. and because I could take horseback riding lessons for PE. And so that just sounded like a dream to me. So that's kind of how I picked Second person who has gone to North Carolina's equestrian program that I've talked to on this podcast. So that's really fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Rob Jacobs also came through 
North Carolina's equestrian program. So that's kind of fun. It's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it is a lot of a lot of. There are several colleges there that have horseback riding programs or equestrian programs. Yeah. So that was kind of how I how I got in got into horses. And then you just did it for fun afterwards, like here and there, or did you stay with horses from university until now? Yeah, that's that's a, an interesting story too. So when I was in in college, my junior year, I had a pretty horrific riding accident where I broke my neck um, coming off a horse, and that kind of changed a lot of things for me. I um, I recovered fully. I was really lucky. Um, I did make a full recovery after that accident. But before that, I had been kind of one of those fearless riders, right? It was just fun. I would do pretty much anything, ride anything. Um, and then after that, fear did creep into my riding. And that's not something that people really talk a lot about or address openly in the horse industry. So I was encouraged, like a lot of people, to just you know get back on, push through your fear, all of that. And I did it, but inside, I kind of always had this thing going on with me when I was riding, which was I knew in the back of my mind that it was just a matter of time before the next accident, because it had been a really freak accident where a horse got spooked. And, you know, horses do have prey animal instincts, and it happens very fast. It can be very unexpected. Um, So I had this this fear that, you know, at some point it's going to happen. And I I was always kind of secretly longing for the ride to end so I could say, ah, I had a safe ride, (laughs) right? Right. So I think when I first went into university, I was really wanting to go into a career with horses. And then that really threw me for a loop because I wasn't so sure after that. And I kind of went through a period where I was like, yeah, I think I probably should get a desk job. (laughs) That's a lot safer. Mm -hmm. And I went to graduate school, got a master's degree in public administration, got married during that time and so then my focus kind of became more about work but that love for horses never really went away and we then moved to my my ex-husband and I moved to Hartsville, South Carolina where I met a woman who had a a farm and she had Arabian. She invited me to come out and help her exercise the horses and ride in exchange for some work at the barn and I missed horses so much so that kind of got me back into it still had the issues related to fear though and she had Arabians and they were very hot and kind of mixing up my story here but at that barn is where I met the first horse that became my first horse that I owned and she was not an Arabian at this Arabian barn but a thoroughbred that was um, boarded there but she was very a very very calm horse actually and she helped me um, work through a lot of those those fears and um, mm-hmm. also once I owned her I I became much more interested in the relationship uh, versus just riding horses. And I I went through the whole journey a lot of us have in the horse industry, where I I spent a lot of years studying natural horsemanship and learning kind of that way of being. Then I actually morphed into clicker training and positive reinforcement, and I spent a number of years learning how to be a positive reinforcement trainer. And during all this time, as my skills increased, I kind of helped people on the side. I gave some riding lessons on the side. I helped people with their horses and trailer loading. So I, I did some things on the side, usually not not for money or just for a small. And so it was always there and it was a hobby and I was very passionate about horses, but it wasn't my sole profession. So I'm going to back up a little bit because I podcast that those terms aren't necessarily understood by all of the audience. So define your definition of what natural horsemanship is. Okay, great. 
yeah, for, for my definition of natural horsemanship coming from a behavior modification standpoint, like a scientific training standpoint, is that it's negative reinforcement, which means if we're trying to get an animal to do a behavior that we want, we might use a little pressure as the motivator, uh, initially the motivator, and then when they do the right thing, we release the pressure. That's why it's called negative reinforcement, because it's a pressure that we're releasing that causes them to, to learn, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. And then the clicker training, I think there's there's dog owners that probably will understand that as well, but what would that look like for people that have no idea? Because yeah. they might want to modify this for their kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Sounds like Pavlov's dog, right? So it's like... Right, right. So positive reinforcement is when we add uh, some kind of reward to motivate a behavior. So... If the, whore, if the animal does something we want, um, like we're trying to teach the dog to sit and then it makes a movement towards sitting, we might mark that reward. That's what the click is for clicker training. Usually a sound like something like that to mark the, the effort that they're making that's in the right direction. And then we would offer it. Usually it's a food reward. So um, negative reinforcement is usually taking away pressure as the reward. And positive reinforcement would be adding something positive to the animal's environment or um, stomach in this case yes. <laughs> to, to reward behavior. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. The, so it sounds like the relationship stuff was inspired by this first horse. It really was. Yeah. There's really a big difference for, for me. If there was a big difference um, in the horse industry, if you don't own a horse, there's often not a whole lot of relationship involved with that. The, the riding program that I was engaged with at, at the college was one where, you know, you show up for your lesson and you look on the board and you see what horse is listed by your name and where it's located, what pasture, and you go get it, bring it in and tack it up and take your lesson. And then the next time you show up, it'll be a different horse. Their, their philosophy was you have to ride a lot of different horses to become a good rider. So you might have a little bit of relationship time with the horse, you know, that one day or that one hour, but then you might not interact with that horse again for months and also when I was just riding other people's horses you know you're not the one making decisions about the horse and you pretty much do whatever the owner tells you to do right because it's not your it's not your animal um as ownership is a strange thing like that and you come to learn pretty quickly in the horse industry that every owner has pretty strong feelings about you know as they should about how their horse should be um, handled and, and ridden and trained so Owning a horse from the first time was really my first opportunity to say, ah, I get to you know kind of choose how I want this relationship with my horse to feel, both for me and for the horse. Yeah. Yeah. The whole ownership thing is bizarre for me. It's like, it's like guardianship as opposed to ownership in my words. Yeah. Uh, the horse industry is a challenging place that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in... Right. There's a lot of dynamics there. So dogs and cats usually are pets, right? They're in our home. We do have a more familiar relationship with them. I think it's becoming much more common for people to think of themselves as guardians of, of the animals in our lives. I love that. Or care, to, you know, even just custodians, right? Mm-hmm. But the horse industry, the way that it's built, um, the horses are often tools of the trade so to speak yeah are much more you know and they're also categorized as livestock so there's a different mindset and history with that industry that is still um, 
in, in most areas of the industry still pretty pervasive. Although things are shifting and I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the opportunity is there to, in some circles, to see them as how I see them, which is like a being of, of magnitude <laughs> like uh absolutely yeah 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 and that's totally the focus of my business now there's there's no riding there's no halters or lead ropes the horses live as a a small herd and we visit them in their space and we learn about who they are as beings individually and collectively as a community and what we can learn from them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I consider them elders, you know, like, Oh yeah. Very, I, that, that may not be appropriately worded, but like the wisdom keeping of an elder is hanging out in a horse for me. Yeah. There's so much ancient wisdom in the horse. Mm, very much so. So you go from your first horse ownership at, said barn to owning a barn and pig and and horse and reptiles like wow yeah there's so much that's in like in between that that transition that um each of those could probably be a podcast of its own but the real shift for me came when I was still very much in a training mindset after I had a farm of my own and I I brought uh, Lilith was the first horse I had and I brought her here to South Carolina with me, and then a friend of mine bequeathed another horse to me, and then my ex-husband got a horse, so we had three horses then, and we were really involved with the clicker training at the time, and kind of had a, trying to, he had a dog training business, so we were kind of starting to incorporate the horses into that a little bit, and I wanted to, I wanted to challenge. This was still when I was very much kind of in, an, I don't know, the ego space in my relationship was frankly. And I wanted to train a horse from birth, right? To be my partner, to be my eventing partner. Kind of that sort of like, I don't know, maybe to prove myself as a trainer in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where my life changed and the universe stepped in and Tempo was the filly that was born here. And, you know, from day one, she was like, no, you don't have my life planned out for me. This is not going to go how you think it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, tempo. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's definitely a powerful force of nature. And she taught me the only correct way to be in relationship with animals is to honor their, their sentience and who they are as individuals. She was a big wake-up call for me, and I'm so, so grateful. I consider her one of the dearest friends in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yay, Tempo! <laughs> I know. Yeah. So it's yeah. to have her to thank for the, the nature of the business I do now and how different it is from, you know, a lot of the more traditional riding and training focused business. Yeah, do, do you want to hear the story of, of the pig and how he showed up? Yeah, sure, because I'm assuming we'll get our So Any Stories About Intuition covered off. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. <laughs> This one's a good story about perhaps his intuition and mine as well. Perfect. Not just human human intuition. So it was shortly after I launched my business and I was, frankly, I was kind of freaking out. I'd gone from a state job and state retirement to this really non-traditional business. But of course, it takes a long time to get any business going, but it was was slow. And I was in that phase of panic, kind of like, I I think I probably need to go get another job, right? Mm -hmm. And um, 
I pulled up one day. I had been up to visit my, my mother in the mountains of North Carolina where she was staying. And I, I pulled up to the gate at the entrance to my farm and I could see my horses were like literally like attacking something in the pasture. And I got out of my car. It was something small and black. And this is how little I knew about pigs at the time. I, you know, I think of pink pigs when I think of pigs. Right? Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a puppy. And then when I got out of the car, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard a pig squealing, but it's quite loud. Yes. And, and um, shrill and it, like something's dying. Yes. Yes. It's kind of a horrible sound. Yes. Um, um, so mm-hmm. immediately when I got out of the car, I, I knew it was not a dog. Um, and I recognized that it was a pig. And then I thought, oh my gosh, is it a wild hog baby? You know, what is it? And I kind of went running in there. Um, also, my first thought was, this is, you know, one of my neighbors has gotten a pig and it's gotten in here and I don't want the horses to hurt it. And um, the horses just didn't know what it what it was. They'd never seen a pig either. So they were just responding in a defensive way. So I, I chased him out of the, of the pasture. And then a couple minutes later, he comes back in. He just, he, he wouldn't let me catch him. So he, I could tell he wasn't wild because I could get close to him. But as soon as I made any effort to reach for him, he scurried off. And pigs are actually pretty fast. So this went on where he, I just kept chasing him out and he kept coming back in. I thought, well, this is crazy. Um, anyway, short, long story short, this kind of went on for a couple of days and I contacted everyone around and nobody would claim the pig. Nobody could find anyone who said it was their pig. I have no idea where he came from to this day. So now my partner, but my boyfriend, he was working at a um, nature center where they had one pig. And my first thought was, if I could catch the pig, would he would he take it there? Because I didn't have any intention of, of keeping a pig. Um, I just had a small horse farm, wasn't equipped for a pig. And he said, "Sure, if you can, you know, catch him in a crate, I'll I'll talk and take him." So I put some food in the crate and left it out. And for three days, didn't give him food anywhere else. You know, gave him water because to do that. But he would look in the crate, smell the food, and he but he would not go in there. He knew that that was like. At the time, I thought he knew this was a trap, but I know now it's like he knew he had chosen where he was going to be and understood what all this was. By the time the three days of me trying to catch him ended, he had made friends with all the horses. He was literally sleeping in the paddock with them. It was like, okay, I guess you're staying, right? Um, (laughs) And so Charlotte's Web started. Charlotte's web started. Well, then I had a bunch of people, you know, telling me, you know, this pig is going to tear up your property. He's going to dig up all your pastures. You know, they're very destructive. And also that they're social animals. You, you can't have one pig alone. Thinking, oh my gosh, what have I gotten into? I'm not one to keep my, my animals, you know, in small pens or anything. So I didn't want to put him in a small pen. I literally sat down on my porch stoop and, and had a chat with, with the pig. And I said, look, um, it's awesome if you want to stay. You've obviously, you know, chosen here, but there's uh, there's some rules. You know, you can't dig up the horse pastures. I'm gonna, I'll show you a couple places where you can you can dig and root if you want to. You, know, you let me know what it is you need. I'll I'll do my best, but you know, we're gonna have to have an agreement here. And you can't, you know, terrorize the neighbor's properties or anything. And I kid you not, he he has been the easiest animal I've ever been around. I have not trained him. He understands our relationship. I swear he understands what I'm thinking. It is amazing. They are highly intelligent beings. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, if there are any moments when I get in a point where I want to, like, oh, let me, you know, that mindset of let me move you over here physically, that does not work with him, right? But if I just have a conversation with him, you know, with energy and body language and intuition about what I want, 
he, he will always cooperate with me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. His name is Bartholomew the Pig. Um, call him Bart also, but he has his own Facebook page, actually, Bartholomew the Pig. I love it. Yeah. And of course, I look up. I looked up pig symbolism because I was like, why, why is, you know, why is this pig showing up? Yes. And there were, there are two things that pigs uh, especially symbolize. And one is abundance. And of mm. course, at that was a time when I was not feeling, because I was thinking mostly in terms of finance, you know, financial abundance was where I was lacking. And he's just continues to be a reminder to me every day that there's so much abundance in my life that doesn't have to do with with money. And the other thing they symbolize is, uh, so when pigs are rooting, they can only root with their noses going forward. So they're very strong symbols of always moving forward and never going backwards. So interesting. That was a I really needed at that moment. Yeah, interesting. I love it. Right. Thank you, yeah. Bartholomew. Very cool. Well, and he doesn't seem yeah. to mind living as a solo pig in your farm. He doesn't, and that that's another really interesting thing. There was um, one time when another stray pig showed up on my property, and I thought, oh goodness, like maybe they're and that pig um, really seemed to want to be near Bart, and Bart didn't. Did not want anything to do with that pig. Um, in fact, was kind of like not aggressive, but just like he he ran and hid. He did not want to be um, near that other pig. So he has no problem. Um, he thinks he's you know just one of the. We're just all one big happy family here. He doesn't seem to mind that there's not another pig. Very cool. <laughs> I love it. He grazes with the horses. He was supposed to be a horse, and he has the wrong jacket. <laughs> right? Yeah. Totally. That's too funny. You wouldn't have bought another horse, but you couldn't refuse a pig. So that's how they come down. He was just that, he, he was also kind of the beginning of me really being open to like what whatever, um, whatever life is offering is being offered for a reason. Try to work with it than working against it, right? Mm, nice. So he showed up for a reason, for reason for him and for me. Yeah, many lessons and... Bartholomew, by the sounds of things. Very cool. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and ask you how you get your intuition. How does it come to you? That's a great question. And I think probably, as you know, that's a little different for everyone, especially with this podcast. I'm sure you've heard lots of different stories about that. For me, I I think as a child, I was very, very connected with my intuition. And it just, um, it just was a flow, right? And I didn't really think about it as that. It was just one of the many ways I interacted with the world. And then, you know, as you know, the human world, the systems and structures, not only do they not really nurture intuition, but they often don't leave a lot of space for it. No, yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah, so I think I I really shut off a lot of that. Um, But for, for me, now that I'm remembering how to reconnect with it, a lot of mine... Sometimes it just comes in as a as a knowing. I don't know. Some people would call that like a clear cognizance or something. But I just have these very strong feelings that I understand something or what's what's supposed to be happening. Other times it is that sort of gut gut feeling in my gut, and done some work of trying to distinguish between you know what's intuition in my gut and what's like anxiety. Sometimes there are warning feelings that are not necessarily intuition. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Especially yeah, when you so, broke your neck off of a horse. 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. Trauma. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or patterns we've had that, um, you know, triggers feelings for us that might say, ooh, danger zone, danger zone. And yeah. I have to go, okay, is that, is that anxiety or is that true intuition? Yeah. And, and what's your, what, how's, how's that been going? What's your, what's your way of doing that? Because this timing of us having this chat is, is not lost on me because I think that there is a much larger percentage of people who are operating from that question of, is this a warning or is this fear because of whatever number of triggers have gone on in, in the last, and, and to me, I think we're going through a sieve that trauma can't actually go through. So we're being forced to acknowledge and just become more aware and seek tools or whatever the case may be for each individual. And part of that is connecting with our intuition to know or feel or see or sense or however people get it to know which way to go to support themselves with trauma. So I'm curious if you don't mind sharing what has, what's, what's your path been to figure out that, to discern those two things. That's a really, really great question. And for me personally, um, a lot of that path has been the journey of recognizing sort of um, my relationship patterns in the world. So I have a lot of codependency patterns early in my life. And it was actually Tempo that, that um, you know, kind of woke me up to some of those, those patterns. And once I understood the dynamics of codependency, and, you know, did therapy. So for me, initially, some of it was therapy, a mm-hmm. little bit of self-awareness that I got done through therapy. But therapy was a, a bit tricky for me because I was, uh, couples therapy particularly, I was in a relationship where in order for therapy or even any shift that we're trying to make in our relationships to work, both parties kind of have to be game for that, that healing, that move toward healthier ways of being to happen. Right. And if we are trying to practice healthier ways or understand ourselves better and the arena in which we're practicing or the environment we're practicing is not either healthy or open to becoming healthy, those patterns don't work even if they're, um, the new patterns don't work even if they are healthier. Does that make sense? Totally, because you, you don't have the dance partner, right? You don't have the dance partner, right? Mm-hmm. And so initially, actually, therapy was a little bit counter, uh, worked opposite for me because I was trying to shift myself and then the, path, the new ways didn't work. And then my partner at the time was kind of good at making me feel like it was my fault that it wasn't working. And so it was like, I felt worse about myself. And this is where the horses came in to help me understand that we have to have the right environment to work on healing and nurturing and self-awareness. And so when I would some of the things I was trying to work on shifting in myself that weren't working in my human relationship, my marriage, would work, was working in my relationships with the horses. Mm-hmm. So the horses were offering me a clearer, I don't even want to say mirror. In some ways it's a mirror back, but it really was just a clearer understanding of when I made a healthy shift, they also shifted in a healthy way. Right. Or the yeah. whole relationship shifted in a healthy way. So that game gave me some confidence in understanding I guess it just gave me for the first time this sense that I had some ability to identify healthy patterns and unhealthy patterns. 
that I think is a key for me was just recognizing what that feeling is when I'm butting up against, I'm trying to um, look at this in a healthier way and I'm still feeling like it's, it's not working. That feeling in my, in my gut of trusting that I know when I'm shifting, even if <laughs> the response I'm getting isn't, isn't the same, as honest as what the horses was getting. So I'm not sure I'm getting with this, except that it was, for me, it was about learning how to trust my own ability to trust my instincts, my energy, right? My right. gut that this wasn't healthy, right? Right. Well, and you bring up a good point because animals don't have the same agendas, egos, etc., as humans do. And I have also had people in my life who I say gave me my legs to stand on my spine, all those things. They've been amazing teachers because in sometimes trying to get me not to listen to my intuition or undermining the intuition. When you come back to the intuition, it's that much more precious and that much fortified really Um, because it's like, Oh, isn't that interesting? (laughs) I just gave all that power over there. There were signs or there were things that niggled or whatever the case may be. So it sounds like the horse's, were really a uh, truer uh, litmus test um, they were at the time they okay. were cool yeah we yeah have. and yeah and they taught me about listening to myself and that you know shifting myself does shift everything and then things like like yoga and meditation i became more ready more open for how i can access my intuition through those at a deeper level but i first had to have that initial shift of just learning to recognize yes your intuition is right on it has been talking to you all along right mm. this this way when you feel really really frustrated and questioning yourself and feeling down on yourself you're probably not listening right so it's interesting that the horse was the one who gave you fear and they're the ones that brought you back <laughs> right right lovely <laughs> right It is fascinating to me when we have the ability to kind of look in hindsight at patterns or at the confirmation of an intuition being, wow, that was a good thing that that all went tick, 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 boo, right? I think that sometimes that too can be a form of positive reinforcement. Yes. To yes. just be being aware to that you have the ability always to look back and assess where things felt right, where things felt wrong, or if it's not feeling where the knowing kind of questions something or where the body questions something or where there was hesitation that wasn't coming from the mind you know all those things are interesting to look backwards on so it's it sounds like you've actually integrated all these things into your business i don't know if i'm making an assumption there but it sounds you're you're absolutely right and the horses the way that they operate and their herd is is like so intuitive and and energy based you know, a lot of times people will think, oh, they're choosing to be over there because they're, you know, the grass is better over there. And I'm, I'm able to say after watching the horses for, you know, hundreds and thousands of hours now and spending time with them, it's like everything, they, every move they make, where they position themselves in the pasture, where they position themselves in relation to each other, in relation to us, they are constantly just leaning into their intuition, right? This feels right. 
that feels right. Or they go, no, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to move over here. And just the nuance of you can actually walk through life, like feeling your way through it. Nice. Model that so beautifully. Yeah. That might be the name of your podcast, Feeling Your Way Through. Ooh, Feeling Your Way Through. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what, you know, what we're taught, what the human world, most of the human world, you know, traditionally kind of teaches us to think our way through, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So we is- need a lot of support. We need a lot of support in, in remembering yeah. how to feel our way. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. How did you learn to feel your way through? Which, how do you listen to your intuition? Oh my gosh, it comes in so many different ways depending on the environment and situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes I don't even cognitively know I'm listening to my intuition. Right. It can be my happy little goosebumps. I asked for those 17 years ago and they show up when it's important and pay attention and just as much for the other person to acknowledge what just happened as it is for me. Yeah. Um, Words and pictures in my head, hearing things, seeing things, knowing things. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of all over the place. Yeah. Animals talking, uh, me sensing, catching things out of my eyes. Patterns is another thing that can reveal intuition to me. Yeah, it, it's it's been, yeah, I don't feel like I'm counting them all, but it is just a really cool fascination I have that when we're open to it 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 doesn't need to smash us over the head in order for us to get the message I guess like it's can yeah. be really as subtle you were, as you were describing all those ways many of them I, I relate to as well it's it is largely a it's a noticing right mm-hmm. it's a, mm-hmm. just yeah which and I, I know it's not coincidence when I notice a particular bird like there's birds all the time, but if that one is somehow I'm really noticing it, I'm going to pay attention, right? What is the message with this bird? Or yeah, the goose, the noticing the, the goosebumps. Our body's always talking to us, right? Yes. Well, listen, thank you so much for today, Kim. This has been a lot of fun, a lot of great information for people. And I think we'll probably have, there's definitely space for another one. <laughs> If not more. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I've enjoyed the conversation and really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Intuition is some, isn't something we get to talk about necessarily all the time every day. <laughs> no, exactly. And yet it's happening all the time every day. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, wonderful. Thank you again. Until thank next you, time. Heather. And thank you so much you're doing with this podcast. What a beautiful uh, gift you're, you're giving to the world. Oh, it's been a gift to me on so many levels. I can't even tell you. So. If people can get something out of it, it's uh, that's like 100% bonus for me. If we can create a world that listens to their intuition, then I have achieved my goal. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the work you're doing. All right. Until next time, Kim. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, 
Please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.